Welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. As a church, we believe that you're made for this, and God has a plan for your life. Here's this week's message. Make some noise. You had a good Thanksgiving? Well, today's going to be fire, man. I'm so happy to be here, man. I hope you're happy to be here. I'm really happy to be here. Are you happy to be here? Listen. Listen. Um, I have an announcement that I'm not going to make. I'll make it next week. Because I just don't want to. <laughs> Emily's like, face is like, what are you doing? Don't you make this announcement. I don't want to. I'm like a little kid. I'll, I'll make it next week. I got to pray about something. Uh, that being said, this Thanksgiving was fire. Anybody Thanksgiving there was, was it fire? Was it fire? Uh, some of y'all, like, you didn't have a great Thanksgiving. Like, you, you good? My Thanksgiving was incredible. I don't know if you know this, but I have a twin brother. He is a fraternal twin, but he is still my twin. Um, he, uh, we have not celebrated a Thanksgiving together, I want to say maybe we've in 20, 15, 20 years. And we celebrated Thanksgiving together this past Thursday. And, uh. It was so incredible, man. It was so amazing. And God's doing some awesome stuff. My father and my brother had lunch last week and got together one-on-one for the first time. I mean, other than a family funeral, there's just been so much stuff and strife with that. But God's bringing healing and restoration in my family. I want to share that with you because God could do anything. That is just as impossible um, as anything. And so I'm just really encouraged and want to speak to you uh, today from Daniel chapter 4. We're still in a series, L.A. Needs You. And L.A. really does need you. Anybody been encouraged by this series and been encouraged by going through the book of Daniel, man? Um, You got to pray for me, man, because I'm preaching this final week of November all through December, all through January. And so that's like nine weeks in a, like, straight. So I'm like, I'm going to have to start down. I might have one of y'all come up here. But I I just believe that I have something to say. And, And oftentimes... For me, I do not take responsibility for saying something God has not given me. Like, my job as the pastor is not just to preach, it is to actually pastor. So when I say something, I need it to mean something, I need it to matter, I need to know that God speaks to me. And so what we've been doing, man, is, is, and a couple things do that, man. When you guys do what you do, like when you guys give and you get involved in the church, it makes me, it lets me be a pastor. Not a CEO of a nonprofit, but a pastor. And the second thing, when our team does the things that like Emily and, and, and Sam and Clayton and all these, and Lane and all these amazing people, like I don't worry about the youth. Shout out to the youth. Because the youth doing their own thing. I went down there last week. It was just like, oh my God, this is crazy what God's doing. And so it allows me to lean in to what God is telling me to do. So. Um, I, I just appreciate You ever have somebody in the church who ain't super planned and ain't super involved and they go, why ain't Julian preaching? He's like, come help a brother out. Just tell him, come help a brother out and maybe he preach more, man. Because I, I have things that I have to say, but it takes a lot of study. One message I've found takes about eight hours of pastoring because you got to know what people are going through if you're going to preach to them. It takes about eight hours of prayer and eight hours of study. So I have to study all the time. And so just so you know, this is not an accident that you're hearing, Daniel. I'm not saying that so you could say, oh, poor Pastor Julian. I'm saying that because I I really believe that what I'm sharing today is for you 
and God's going to do something through you. Because the way he's been speaking to me through Daniel has been crazy. I'm telling you. So turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 4 as promised. We're going to do Daniel chapter 4 today. And this takes place, um, what many Bible scholars say, is towards the end of Nebuchadnezzar's life. Uh, Daniel chapter 4 is actually narrated by Nebuchadnezzar himself. It is the only book of the Bible, it is the only chapter of the Bible narrated by a, a man who does not believe in God and who is a pagan man. Every other book of the Bible is narrated, documented by a follower of God. Daniel chapter 4 is the only book of the Bible where when you read it, it's reading in the first person where you're saying, I, Nebuchadnezzar, did this. So for some reason, God wants to let you know that he can inspire someone who does not even believe in him to do the will of God. Nebuchadnezzar is documenting his life. We are reading a story, his testimony, if you will. Um, what's interesting about the Bible is because it goes through manuscripts that are thousands of years old. When you read the end of Daniel chapter 3 and you read Daniel chapter 4, we often do that like a scene in a movie. Like, okay, and then next... So we read it like it's happening next. But in Daniel chapter 3, Daniel was about 20 years old. And by Daniel chapter 4, that documentation, Daniel was 50. So there's been 30 years between Daniel chapter 3 and Daniel chapter 4. So Daniel has been serving a wicked king for 30 years. Now here's the crazy thing about Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar is God had blessed Nebuchadnezzar. Why you need to know that is none of you in this room are as wicked or as evil as Nebuchadnezzar. L.A. is dark, but ain't nobody in L.A. done anything, any remotely where near what Nebuchadnezzar had done. And the Bible says that God used even him. So if God used Nebuchadnezzar, I think he can use you. I don't think anyone in this room is too far gone to be used by God. And so what we are reading about Nebuchadnezzar is almost a prophetic reflection. Some of us don't have what we would call prophetic insight, meaning when something's happening in a moment, it's hard for us to see God in what's happening right now. And that's you. I would highly recommend you go back on your life five years and see God in hindsight. Because if you can't see God in the moment and you see God in hindsight, you can still operate in the prophetic word of the Lord if you reflect. But some of us, we move so forward, so this, what's the next, on to the next thing. Some of you, God has blessed you so much this last couple of years, and you're already worried about 2024. You're already saying next year is going to be my year, and you even thank God for the year you had. I'm telling you right now, Nebuchadnezzar is literally reflecting back on his life. Daniel would have been 50, and Nebuchadnezzar is telling his testimony. And he opens up, and he says this. Because at first when I said that the Lord said he wants all of Los Angeles to be saved, I'm like, wow, that's a lofty goal. But listen to Nebuchadnezzar's first line. King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. I want you to fathom that that God created a man, allowed a man to be so powerful, so influential, when he decided he had something to say, he called his assistant and said, hey, can you get this message to the world? Every language, which means he had people interpret this in different language. 
Do you believe that God could do something in your life and in this city, not only that all of Los Angeles would be saved, but what if God could start a message here that he wants to get to the world? I feel sometimes when we think we want God to do something in L.A., we think we're thinking big. But what if the Lord would say to you, how about the earth? How about the world? How about I give you so much influence and authority that you impact the world? Like some of y'all don't even have faith for Culver City. Like you just, you end up up there in Northridge like, Lord, we need you. <laughs> and he's just casually saying, hey, um, get this to the world. I got something to say. And he says this, to the world, peace and prosperity to you. Bible scholars say this is happening during a time where Nebuchadnezzar has defeated every enemy. His kingdom is as big as it's ever been, but he's been through something. And so now he's speaking to the people, telling them his testimony. And he goes on and he says, I want you to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs. How powerful are his wonders. How his kingdom will last forever, his rule through generations. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was chilling in my palace in comfort and prosperity. He's literally saying, not only is he financially prosperous, but he had, he had, his enemies were all silenced. That's what that means. Peace means my enemies have been silenced. There's no threat of war. He, he owned everything. He ruled everything. And as I was reading through this, I realized, and we're going to be talking about L.A. needs you, and I want you to catch this. This is really important. L.A. needs you to prosper and flourish. Like, L.A. really needs you to prosper. L.A. has got to stop seeing Christians complaining, struggling, not struggling in their circumstances, but struggling in their attitude about their circumstances. What good is it? for me to come to the God you serve and you ain't even got joy. What's the difference between me and you? What's the difference? Can you suffer with a smile on your face? Can you believe bigger? Can you pray more? Can you seek God? God wants believers to walk in peace and prosperity and here's why. And this is so hard. I'm not telling you this because this is easy. But God wants to give you what other people want because they don't want him. And so God wants to give you what they want, but he doesn't want you to want what they want. He wants you to have who they don't have, himself. And so he gets the person who doesn't have him attention by giving you what they want. Did, did that make sense? And then the devil makes you want that, and now y'all both the same. Oh my. I'm not going to make it through nine weeks. This binder, I'm going to need nine binders up here, so when I throw this one, because I'm about to, did you hear what I just, this ain't on. Am I amplified in the room properly? The devil lives in your desires. We love to talk about spiritual warfare. 
The spiritual warfare is in your desires that leads to your choices. The devil is a lie. We cast every demon out. No, you, you want what they want. So God's trying to give you what they want so they'll serve who you serve. Because that's what gets their attention. So he wants to give you the peace and prosperity. L.A. needs you to prosper and flourish. L.A. really needs you to prosper and flourish. The L.A. cannot see all of our relationships failing, us mismanaging our finances. Come on, Gucci belt, Target wallet. Come on, man. Like, we're going to have to get it right. <laughs> we're going to have to get it right. Come on now. I know. Listen, man. Listen. If you, can I just bless somebody today? If you counting how many miles is left in the amount of gas you have left, you shouldn't be wearing anything designer. Can I just bless you today? Can I bless somebody today? I got about 57 more miles before I got to fill up. I think I can make it. Get rid of the Louis. Get rid of, that's not prosperity. This word for prosperity is a wholeness. L.A. doesn't need you to look prosperous. L.A. needs you to be prosperous. And when you are, the most prosperous people I know don't look it. And the brokest people I know look rich. L.A. does not need you to look prosperous. L.A. needs you to be prosperous. You know, uh, 3 John uh, verse 2 says this, it's, it's John's talking to some believers. It says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Prosperity is biblical. But watch how he breaks it down. And be in health as your soul prospers. So he speaks to prosperity to the health and soul first and foremost, and then the circumstances will follow. When you know God's getting ready to bless you when he starts saying, hey, cut back on the sugar. He starts to get you ready to manage all of the increase God is bringing you because the devil, and, and let me tell you this too, my, so many people in my family died before 50 because the enemy got them through their, their physical. So the Lord wants you to prosper in your health and in your soul. That doesn't mean you got to feel guilty because you went back for seconds on Thanksgiving. I'm not trying to shame anybody. What I'm saying is that God will begin to speak to you about physical health and soul health because he knows you need both to manage blessings and increase. <laughs> blessings and increase. Because he's trying to bring a harvest. Can the Lord bring you a harvest and a schedule that your physical condition cannot handle right now? Why would he do that? So he, he'll, he'll literally break it down to you. Hey, I remember in 2019, the Lord started speaking to me about my, my, my health. And he's speaking to me about it again. And my, my wife was running up hills with the kids. And she was running with our friends, my sons and best. And remember I used to stay home? And they'd go like, hey, we're going to run and work out. I'm like, y'all have fun. Chilling. Chilling. And then I got convicted. And then I was so prideful, I tried to get in shape to go get in shape. Anybody ever done that? Like somebody invites you to work out, you like, I'll come in a couple of weeks. And you start working out early, so you have to look bad in front of them. And the Lord was like, hey, stop doing that. Go get in shape with them. I'm like, and I ran up a hill, and I ran up a hill, and all of a sudden something inside me shut off. Like it felt my soul shut off. They 
drug me to the shower like this. I'm in the shower. Dallas had tears in his eyes. And I'm like, I don't want to die in front of my son. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. But the Lord was challenging me. If the enemy cannot stop you from doing what he's called you to do, he will shorten how long you can do it. Can I just speak to somebody today? Come on, I'm going to just speak culturally, man. Like, come on, black folk. Remember we used to eat them Doritos? Lord, allow it to be a blessing to our bodies. You can't pray nutrients into chips. <laughs> Anybody ever seen us? We pray over the most unhealthy stuff. We just allowed it. We, we just pray that this would be a blessing to our bodies. Gravy and fat juice dripping all off the chicken. Trying to pray nutrients into it. And that's not the sh I'm just saying, you notice ri most rich people have a revelation about health. Why? Most, why? Because they believe their body is the engine. So they believe their body is the vessel for the good things they're doing. So that's what the Holy Spirit will do because he wants us to prosper in all areas. So what I'm asking you to do is say, which my soul, my emotions, my thinking, so we prosper in our thoughts before we prosper in our circumstances. Do you have broke thoughts and prosperous dreams? I, I'm, I can't. I got to get I got to get out of here. No, <laughs> I just want to leave. That's so good. I just want to leave. We, I, I got to get out of here. We, we, we have a poverty mindset believing for wealth. So he's saying, I want you to prosper in your emotions. Do you have prosperous emotions? That's the soul. Your mind, do you have prosperous? What is the soul? Mind, will, emotions. Mind, will, and, and emotions. So before the Lord can prosper you in your finances, he has to give you prosperous emotions, prosperous decisions, oh my God, and prosperous thinking. And a prosperous body that can carry everything that God wants to give you. So he's saying, I'm praying for your health, and I'm praying for your soul, and I'm praying you will prosper in everything else. That's what Paul said. The reason why this is important is because we have to believe that this is what God wants us to do. Psalm 92 says this, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. God wants you to flourish. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. And by the way, every time you see a tree in Scripture, um, Nebuchadnezzar is going to have a tree. It's leadership. So you're, you're going to have to be a leader. You're going to have to lead people. You're going to have to be um, led by the Holy Spirit. It says, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green every season. Every time I see that, I think of the outcast song. They will still bear fruit in old age. They'll stay fresh and green. I don't know why. It helps me remember it. It just helps me remember scripture however you remember scripture. That's how I remember it. Psalm 92, the outcast song. Every season. And by the way, this is not California. This is the Middle East. Stuff didn't grow in every season. So he's saying you can prosper. You can, your, your stuff will prosper in every season in the desert. 
And some of y'all are believing for a cactus because your desert circumstances promote that. No, you don't have to believe for circumstances that can handle the desert. Listen, you can believe for stuff that don't grow in the place God has called you to. That is what flourishing is. You can believe for God to do something in a place that nobody can seem to do that thing. Flourishing is not all good things. Flourishing sometimes is good things happening in places they don't happen until somebody who worship God shows up. Youth, this will change your life. Oasis Youth, this will change your life, man. You guys got the best youth, best youth pastor in the world. Man, that word was so good, I just got a lisp out of nowhere. <laughs> like, this, I'm telling you, man, this is crazy. I'm so excited. I know I didn't preach the last two weeks. Forgive me if I'm so excited, but this word is crazy because I know this is a prophetic word that is going to take root in you no matter what. You barely have to obey this. I feel so strongly about it that this is going to take root in your life no matter what. Anybody believe that? Like, no matter what, man, I'm telling you. L.A. needs to see you flourish and prosper. Daniel chapter 4, verse 5, um, Nebuchadnezzar, after he's saying peace and prosperity to you, says, But one night I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. So I issued an order calling in all the wise men of Babylon so they could tell me what my dream meant. When all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. At last, Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. He was named Belteshazzar after my God. His God's name was Bel Marduk. So God, Nebuchadnezzar had already seen God move, and he said that he called in Daniel. Notice he had named Daniel after his God, but was relying on Daniel's God to get something done. Tried to give him the identity of his God, but then when he needed something, he was relying on Daniel's God. And, and listen to why he called Daniel in the room. Some of us want to be called in the room. Can I just, the Lord wants to humble somebody today because somebody wants a seat at the table because they want their gift and their knowledge and their wisdom to be validated. And Daniel was not called into the room to get his gift, his knowledge, his wisdom to be validated. If you want to be in the room so that you can be validated, then God will never call you in the room. He doesn't want you in the room so that you can be validated. God does not want to validate you. God does not want to validate you. He's not interested in validating you. He's interested in validating himself through you. And, and, and never accept the validation from humans because what will bless you will kill you when you don't get it from them anymore. They, they'll give it to you for a season. And when, they, when you don't meet their needs anymore, they'll revoke it. Why did he invite Daniel in the room? He didn't say Daniel's amazing, man. We just really need to hear from Daniel. Daniel had been operating this way for 30 years. Daniel's now 50, and Nebuchadnezzar's still not saying Daniel's fire. What does he say? Because Daniel has the holy gods in him. Now, when you see that, that S, he, he had a little confused. Holy gods. But we know he's talking about God, because as I did my research, there's not one single pagan god anywhere in human history who's been referred to as holy. Never. So he's talking about Daniel's God. You can look it up. Like, I don't care what you believe in, they never called the God holy. Never. 
They never spoke to their God's character. They spoke to their God's abilities. It was the God of rain, the God of fertility, the God of this, the God of that. So they were trying to please those gods so those gods would give them what they wanted. L.A. needs you to prosper, but L.A. needs to see the Holy Spirit is in you. And you know how L.A. sees the Holy Spirit is in you? When all the hell is around you. Oh, my God. When you can handle hard times with joy, when you can call what everybody else would call a burden a blessing, when you can actually forgive people that other people still hate, when you can actually be literally overlooked but overjoyed, when, like, when you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says this about the Holy Spirit. That our flesh, our humanity, and the Holy Spirit are constantly at war. Your flesh, your humanity, never agrees with the Holy Spirit. Never. So when you say that makes sense, the Holy Spirit is going, no, no, no. When you agree with it, people ask me all the time, Why, how do you know when God is speaking to you? I know it's God when I don't agree. Oh, I just have peace about it. No, that, that might not be God. Because, uh, no, seriously, you should feel that like, ooh, I don't know. I think one of the ways we operate the pride in the most in church is God told me. I can't tell you how many people tell me God told me. God told me to leave. God told me to take a break from church. God told me this. God told me this. God told me. Samuel was sleeping in the presence of God next to the glory of the ark, and God called him personally, and Samuel was confused. And said, Eli, is that you? Why are you so sure? And someone who slept in the presence of God had to seek God to make sure it was him. But you've been to church one time. You know John 3.16 by heart. And the Lord told me, the Lord told me, the Lord told The Lord told me. No, no. The Holy Spirit isn't, people don't need more prophets. They need character. They need peep to see people. That's why the, I'm all for prophecy, man. But the gifts of the Spirit more than the fruit of the Spirit, which is character, ruin churches. Ruin churches. The Lord needs to see, the, the city needs to see that we have character. And here's character that comes from the Holy Spirit. And by the way, here's where you have self-righteous character. Self-righteous character always gets frustrated when other people don't do what they do. I need another binder, man. I can't take this. This is, I'm going to rip this in half. Did you hear what I just said? We, uh, I'm going to say it again. I'll never pass up an invitation to say it again. When I'm being self-righteous, I'm frustrated that somebody else isn't doing it. I, I, when, when it's the righteousness of God, I'm okay with being the only one. I, I don't care if you don't do it. I'm not, I, it doesn't need to be reciprocated unless it's self-righteous. This is why we're trying to legalize morality. That's self-righteousness. Because we, pastors want to legalize sexuality. Why? Well, highly conservative pastors, why? Because they don't, but have you ever seen one of them say we should make a divorce illegal? No, because that's, that happens to them. Okay, we ain't. Like, 
You have never driven 30 miles past the speed limit and went, there needs to be a law about this. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> huh? But I'm saying there is a law, but we don't. Like, you don't say. But my point is you don't go, somebody should just pull me over right now. Because that sign clearly says 65. And I'm doing 85. Someone, where are the cops when you need them? We never say that. We never say that. Like, I, I even notice when certain people die. Some people die. When they look like us, we protest. When they don't look like us, we pray. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to just go back to the... Just going to go back to the... We do. We do. Lord Jesus, I need you to, need you to move. God needs to, the, the city needs to see you pray for someone that they would never pray for if that was them. Your enemies, the people that hate you. God, man. If we ever got to this place, this whole city would have to come to the Lord. And those things are only the Holy Spirit. That could convict you to do something like that? Nebuchadnezzar moves on, man. He's like, the Holy Spirit is in you. And he said, I said to him, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now tell me what my dream means. While I was lying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. And I love this part because in Daniel chapter 2, as we broke it down, Nebuchadnezzar was not trusting of, his, of Daniel. And so he refused to tell Daniel the dream in Daniel chapter 2. But after 30 years of service, Nebuchadnezzar says, your God is real. Let me just tell you the dream and you're going to give me the interpretation. And he says, I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. Then as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven, and the messenger shouted, cut down the tree, oh my God, and lop off its branches, shake off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump. Somebody say, but leave the stump. Cut it all off, but leave the ability to grow. Get rid of every single thing that they've built, but give the ability for it to all come back. Some of you feel like you've lost everything and you have never lost the ability to grow it back. You can get it all back. But if you're looking to where things used to be in the branches of the trees and not the thing that's in the ground, that looks dead and looks like nothing can come from it, you're missing on what God wants to do. Cut it all off, but leave the stump. Leave the stump. Leave the stump. And it says, uh, now let him be drenched. Talking about Nebuchadnezzar. With the dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field for seven periods of time. Let him have the mind of a wild animal. He, he's giving, he's, the dream is of a prophetic word about uh, failing mental health. 
For this has been decreed by the messengers. It is commanded by the Holy One so that everyone may know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses. The kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even the lowliest people. We live in a city that are so obsessed about their gifting, they don't realize that sometimes God gives something amazing to someone who isn't amazing because he wants to show everyone that it's him. So when God calls you to something amazing, don't waste your time trying to be amazing. Because that's not why God called you. God called you to prove to everyone that God can do anything with anyone who obeys him. Belteshazzar, that was the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, I love how he speaks to himself in the third person, that I, Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now tell me what it means, for none of my wise men of my kingdom can do so. But you can tell me because of the spirit of holy gods is in you. Daniel has greatly influenced this man. Because remember, none of the wise men could tell him his dream before. And what did he do in Daniel chapter 2? He called for the execution of all the wise men. This time he didn't do that. Hey, they just don't know. But Daniel does. And upon hearing this, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Belteshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Belteshazzar replied, I wish, <laughs> this is crazy, the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, and not to you. Nebuchadnezzar was his enemy, and he was, wasn't happy about getting a prophetic word for his enemy. I wish this was for your enemies and not for you. Where is that humility, grace, and mercy in the church? Some of us would be so excited to get that word. Finally. Yes, I can't wait to tell you. Jesus is on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what, they don't know what they're doing. And some people have, we have people who put us on our version of a cross and we go, y'all know what y'all doing. You know exactly what you're doing. But no, he said, man, I wish this was for your enemies and not for you. He goes on to say, um, the tree you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, is you. For you have grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to the heavens and your rule to the ends of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven, saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Let them be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let them live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. Seven periods of time in scripture is seven years. This is what the dream means, your majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to the, my Lord, the King. You will be driven from human society, and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven years, seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses but the stump and roots of the tree were left in the ground. That means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning. I don't, I don't want you to judge me. Daniel, now you're judging me. What do you mean stop sinning? Daniel, now you're judging me. Well, why did 
Daniel tell Nebuchadnezzar to stop sinning. He wasn't telling Nebuchadnezzar to stop sinning because he was irritated with Nebuchadnezzar's sin. That's self-righteousness. He was telling Nebuchadnezzar to stop sinning so Nebuchadnezzar could keep his prosperity. I, he had a prophecy of his prosperity and was like, he said, stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. He is giving Nebuchadnezzar a, a way out of these consequences. And if Nebuchadnezzar continues to prosper, Daniel still has to serve Nebuchadnezzar. Who is this man? That was his way out. And he's saying, I'm not trying to fix you to make you holy. I'm talking to you so you can take hold of what God has for you. But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, look at this great city of Babylon. He would have been on a balcony. Babylon was beautiful. He, his, his, one of his wives came from a place where there were palm trees. So he had imported palm trees from another place and planted them in the palace. So like on his balcony would have been a palm tree that isn't even from there. And he's just looking around. Whole kingdom. He runs the world chilling on his balcony. People looking at him. Brother, good to see you, man. Kingdom is fire. Mm -hmm. Yep. Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. You know you prideful when you say you have majestic splendor. <laughs> Some of y'all have said you're awesome and you need to deal with your pride. But I love you because at least you did not say, my majestic splendor is on display in this place. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven. Can you imagine being so prideful you get interrupted by an angel? Yeah, your boy is cold as... Julian, I'm, oh, snap. This King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of his kingdom. And then word for word repeats the prophecy of Daniel. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from hum human society. He ate grass like a cow and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like the bird's claws. And after seven years had passed, He's back in talking about himself, giving his testimony, because remember, this is years later. Nebuchadnezzar, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked to heaven, and my sanity returned. My God. Now, here's what's crazy. Daniel was in pain. He had lost everything. His identity, his temple, his family, he had lost everything and had been lost for 30 years. Nebuchadnezzar was in the palace, and who went crazy? 
Because you'd rather be in pain with God than the palace without him. Welcome to anxiety when you're in the palace without God. But it says that when he was surveying everything that he had built, his sanity left. And when he looked to heaven, his sanity returned. So I'm not saying some of us, we actually have clinical issues in our mental health. I get that. But could it be where you're looking? Are you surveying everything you have or don't have? And that's what's giving you anxiety? And you can't find gratitude for what you have? And when you survey everything that you have and don't have, you go crazy? But if you could just take a second and look for heaven, maybe God would restore something in your mindset? And he says, when my sanity returned to me, so did my honor in glory and kingdom. He would have been embarrassed and humiliated in front of everyone for seven years. Everyone in Babylon would have looked at Nebuchadnezzar munching on grass, needing a manicure and a pedicure, looking homeless. And the Bible says he got restored to honor and glory my advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. Remember the first thing in Daniel chapter 2 when God, and I'm going to have the team come up and y'all can come grab this because this ain't no joke. Remember in Daniel chapter 2 when Nebuchadnezzar, when Daniel, when God came through for Daniel? Remember that? What did Nebuchadnezzar do? He made a decree making everyone in Babylon worship God. He did not worship God. He made a law making everyone else worship God. That's my concern with politicizing the Bible. Is it's an effort to make everyone else worship God, maybe in a way that you're not. Like, don't be Daniel chapter 2 in next year's election. Let's make everybody do it. Do you? Because Daniel chapter 4, he didn't pass a law. He didn't renew the law. It had been 30 years since he said it. Who knows? A whole other generation would have been raised up that might not have been following the law that he created in Daniel chapter 2. But he said, now I worship God. I'm not here to make you worship God. This revelation, I worship God. The last one, I tried to make you worship God. This one, I worshiped him. I honor him. And what he say? I give him the glory for it is God who is able to humble even kings. LA needs you to flourish and prosper. LA needs to see you filled with the Holy Spirit. LA needs to see you be humble. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. I was looking on this thing. There was this meme going around, and it said, go where you're celebrated. Like, if you're not celebrated where you're at, if people don't honor it, get out of there. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Can I tell you something? You can go where you're celebrated, or you can grow where you're humiliated. I'm, I'm a, I don't have my binder. I'm going to kick this speaker off the stage. And humiliation is not abuse. It's God humbling you in front of people. We're never humiliated alone. You ever fall and trip and you by yourself? No big deal. But when you fall and trip 
remember sometime I was at the Staples Center at Crypto.com Arena and they rolled down the stairs. Somebody just rolled down the stairs in front. They were so embarrassed, they wasn't hurt, but they probably was hurt because it happened in front. They were humiliated. And the Lord will humble you in front of people before he exalts you in front of people. If you can't handle people seeing you being humbled, you can't handle people seeing you being blessed. And some of y'all are blessed, but since nobody sees it, you think you're not blessed because we think blessing is recognition. God wants to give you something. God wants to give you something everybody's looking for to the overlooked, but you want to be seen. You want to be seen. But if you can't be seen being humble, you cannot be seen being blessed. I could tell you some stories that would not be appropriate to share at this time about how the Lord has allowed me to be humiliated in front of people that I loved, in front of people I was serving, in front of people I was working for, allowed me to be humiliated, things that were embarrassing. Why? Because people need to see you be humble. And by the way, I'm gonna give some of y'all a prophetic word about hum humility. Humility requires identity to be humility because Jesus never sinned and it said, though he was God. So humility is creating the distance between who you are and how you act. So it's, though I'm God, I do not consider myself equal with God. He did not pursue equality with God. That's why equality is so dangerous in culture. I cannot stand when people are marginalized, but the pursuit of equality is not the pursuit of humility. The pursuit of exaltation, where God takes a marginalized person and exalts them in front of their oppressors. Woo! Not equal. I'm gonna take that from you and give it to them. And then I'm gonna make them bless the people that tried to stop them from getting what? Can you bless? God will make you bless your oppressors. God will make you bless your haters. God, that's the thing. Exaltation is more, in society we need equality. Hear what I'm saying? But in the kingdom we need exaltation. We need somebody who's willing to humble themselves. Somebody's willing to humble themselves. And so for me, that's the one thing, man. That's the one thing. That's that thing right there. Tony, somebody said, that's that thing right there, man. Don't humiliate me. I wish somebody would. Anybody got a wish somebody would spirit? No. You got you to gotta get rid of that spirit because somebody's going to. And God needs to see if you can humble yourself. And I'm not talking about, okay. By the way, why can black people do the same thing with a different tone and it means two totally different things? Because if I walk backwards and go, okay, that means you look a real fly today. But if I walk backwards and go, okay, I'm heated. I did the same thing, said the same thing, but that tone is different. I'm not talking about with a bad attitude. I'm saying, okay, Lord, this is what you would have. Let me humble myself. And Lord, when you exalt me, I will not do what has been done to me. This is no joke. I got to pray for y'all, man. Because this is very difficult. 
this is very difficult. It makes you want to quit. It makes you want to give up. It makes you feel like God is not good. It makes, why does, why do, and some of you think about, but yeah, I get what you're saying, Pastor Julian, but why did that person, why does my homegirl, my home, they don't have to do that because they're not chosen to do the level of the things you're chosen to do. They're not. And if you do this, the vision I have is like you're sitting in traffic on the 405 and the carpool lane is wide open, but you can't take advantage of the carpool lane because it's just you. But if you would let God get into this thing and humble yourself, you will be in the carpool lane and people will try to pull you over because they don't know somebody else is in the car because they can't see, oh, I feel like preaching today. Y'all better come up here and start worshiping. I feel like preaching today. You can't see who's in my life. You can't see why things are accelerating me. You can't see that I'm moving forward. You can't see that things are moving quicker because I have the Holy Spirit with me. You were expecting someone else to be with me. Oh, I know you thought I was going to have to network, but I don't have to network. I'm praying. I'm believing. I'm in my word. I'm humbling myself and you watch what God does for me. I don't need to be equal with you because when God exalts me, I will bless you anyway. You tried to curse me but I'll bless you because Psalm 23 says the good shepherd gives me a seat at the table in the presence of my enemies so if I'm not eating with enemies I'm not blessed you just wait till God does it in my life does anybody believe it today believe it you gotta humble yourself you believe you gotta humble yourself yeah you're gonna flourish yeah, the Holy Spirit is in you, but you got to humble yourself. And some of us need to humble ourselves today by receiving Christ. This is the only religion that takes humility. Because every religion gives you something to do. Everyone. And the more that you do it, the more religious you become. That's, if there's, that's pride. It takes humility to say, I can't do anything. I have to rely on the saving grace of Jesus. That is so humble to say, I need Jesus. Some of us, are, we're not saved. We're just coming to church because I feel so good when I come to church. You're operating in self-righteousness. You're trying to do something to make yourself better. There's nothing you can do. I'm not that good. This place is not that good. You're not doing something to make yourself better. The Bible says that if I be lifted up, Jesus, I'll draw all humans unto me. That's what he's saying. He's doing that. You didn't get up and decide to come to church this morning. God's drawing you to do that. It's the Holy Spirit. And so today, man, some of us need to just, hey, man, I'll let it go, man. I'm not going to try to be self-righteous. I'm going to come to the Lord today. And you got to raise your hand in front of everybody. And I know you don't want to, but don't want to be blessed in front of everybody. And you don't want to proclaim Christ in front of everybody. So lift your hands on the count of three. If you say, man, I need the Lord. I need to repent of my sin. I need to, the saving grace of Jesus. I know that God loves me, but I need to learn how to love him back. That's all walking with Jesus is. Raise your hand on the count of three if that's you. One, two, three. Lift your hands high. Look at all these people giving their life to the Lord. So proud of you, man. God is moving. Thank you, Jesus. Say this prayer together. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. And thank you 
that I get to be a follower of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 and amen. I can't wait for Daniel chapter 5. Y'all excited, man? This is, this is so serious right now. I'll, I'll tell you this, before you leave, before you get out of here, I know you guys got to go somewhere and forget what I said. <laughs> but there people like, hey, man, I, I know you got a prophetic word, but I got to go move my car, man. I parked in a meter. The Lord going to have to give me this word outside. Look, got to go. Uh, what'd you say? Oh, I'm so proud of you, man. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Listen, you ain't got to turn around, man. You good? Look at me. You put your hands down, man. You good. You good, brother. Hey, trust me. You good. Here's why. Here's why. Christopher, here's, here's, we approach God like a kid, like a son. I always say this, man. Like, I always look for that. I always look for how people approach God because at the end of the day, man, we, sometimes we've never been treated like a son. We've never been treated like a daughter. So the moment you put your faith in Christ, the faith that you had to even walk down here, the Lord is saying, man, I'm, that's my son. Man, he said, that's my son. The Lord said, that's my son. And so when that's your son, my, my son just rolls up on me, man. That Bailey don't ever get out of bed in the morning and, 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 and there is a time to worship. There is a time to worship. So when we lift our hands, the Bible says to lift our hands with worship with holy hands. But when we're receiving, when we're receiving God's love, God, God's love for you is here. And he wants to bring so much healing and he wants to restore and he wants to bless. And so I want to encourage you that it ain't an accident that you're here, that God's bringing so much healing in your life. He's going to open up your eyes to see things. And there's three people that... Uh, he's going to give you a deep forgiveness for it. and they, they what they did was wrong um, what they did was wrong it, it's like one in every decade there was somebody at 10 somebody at 20 somebody at 30 and the enemy used them to, to bring so much hurt but in every decade there's gonna be forgiveness and if you forgive the person from year 10 forgive the person from year 20 forgive the person from year 30 the next three decades the next 30 years you will walk in more forgiveness and more blessing than you could possibly imagine in Jesus name brother Oh, you saw me online? Jeez, he came all the way from Chicago, man. Chi-town in the house. Well, that encouraged me, man, because there's some people in the valley watching online right now. So praise God for that. Hey, <laughs> make sure y'all come to church next week. Daniel chapter 5, bring a friend. As I always say, I love you so much. And I'll see y'all soon. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share with a friend. To join us on the journey of being present, connected, and generous, visit oasisla.org connect. We love you so much, and we'll see you soon.